Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jimmy Scott Finch Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Tuesday, December the 22nd, 2020. Hopefully this finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. It is almost time for Christmas, or if you are celebrating some other holiday, maybe it's close for you too. First day of winter was just earlier this week. Uh, Hanukkah, all these amazing things. Kwanzaa, I don't know all the major holidays, but if you're celebrating something, happy holidays to you listening out there. Before I jump into what I think will be a very important episode for a lot of you listening, the biggest diet problems out there, I want to run over a handful of kind of housekeeping notes here as we move through the end of 2020 and hopefully into a much better 2021. Uh, This podcast brought to you by my homies at athletic greens the one thing i take every single day i take a bunch of stuff every single day but that's the one thing i never miss it's easy to travel with uh i actually enjoy the flavor of it for the most part it's not a milkshake but it is by far the best tasting greens on the planet and it's something i'll drink no matter what kind of day i'm having what kind of mood i'm in uh it's just easy and it's like nutritional insurance if you will so if you guys have yet to try Athletic Greens and you've heard me talk about it for six months or a year or two years or three years or however long you've been listening to, obviously, the podcast, the offer we have right now is we can hook you guys up with a year supply of vitamin D for free and five free travel packs with your first order of Athletic Greens. It's just athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. Or if you're really on the fence, I will have Monica literally from this office that I'm speaking in right now. She will mail you a pack right to your front door. You can try it. Then you can get hooked up with a year supply of vitamin D for free and the five free travel packs on me. All you have to do is send me a DM, email, message us. I will make sure I get Monica all your information and we will send it to you and then we will hook you up. Again, if you guys have yet to really get on the vitamin D train, um, it's important, especially now more than ever. If you look at you know how it affects the body in terms of immune system, uh, respiratory function in terms of supporting bone health, cardiovascular support, and obviously the immune support uh, as well. So they'll give you a year supply for free. So that alone would cover the cost of the athletic greens, uh, and then some. Plus, they'll send you some travel packs and it'll give you something that's going to cover the gaps because none of us can all eat everything we're supposed to. And that's the reason I take it every single day. I'm not going to eat 10 servings of veggies a day. I'll be a giant fart monster. My wife will never want to have sex with me. It just, it doesn't work. So I do the best I can and they kind of cover the gaps for me. So that offer stands for you guys, as well as my homies over at Beam CBD. You guys know it's the CBD product I take. There is no THC in it, so it will not get you high. But it will help you sleep and it will get you a nice deep restorative sleep so you won't wake up feeling hungover. I personally take the Dream product and we also worked out a deal with them where obviously we can always get you guys 20% off the Beam site just by putting Jeremy Scott in in as the code. Uh, I can also send you guys a link directly, but they have hooked me up to give you guys a link for three free night samples of the Dream product. So if you guys have found yourself getting less than what I would consider ideal sleep during this shit show of 2020 we can hook you up with the uh dream link and you can try their uh, nano cbd product there's 20 milligrams of cbd in there there's a melatonin they have like uh, the theanine in there there as well and uh i just think it works great it's not habit forming it's not addictive it's not harsh on the body it's just all natural stuff and i found it has helped me get some legit sleep and i feel you know 
the best I felt physically other than uh, some of the mental stress and shit we got uh, going on here in the world. So those two offers for you guys. And then other than that, we're just kind of moving through the end of the year here. Our next transformation program will be our 47-day transformation. That's kicking off January the 11th. 18 days from now is when the registration closes. I'm not going to harp on it too much, but I'll talk about the importance of it and why I think it's going to be ideal for you guys in 2021. If you've never done it or if you're a person who's graduated the program and want to try it again, I am happy to give you guys a small podcast discount code if that makes things easier to kick off January with a bang. I believe January 11th is when we will be banging that thing out of the park and getting going. And I'm excited. We have a lot of programs in the queue that I have to work on and get finished up yet, but this... This one is the one I'm probably the most proud of in terms of, you know, physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional side of fitness and really changing people's, you know, habits, rituals, and their routines for uh, for a duration. So if you're interested, hit me up. Again, the site is 47daytransformation.com. It's live now. You can review the info and then obviously hit me up. So for today, before I get my own workout in, as I'm getting a little sleepy here, but I thought this was important for many of you, especially as we head into the new year. Like I said, it's December the 22nd. We're getting close to 2021 and hopefully putting this dumpster fire out and, and getting it behind us here. But this comes from Crystal Scott Dixon over at Precision Nutrition. Again, uh, they put together a lot of good stuff. I believe uh, MJ, uh, if I'm going to say the name right, uh, Pieri, uh, also PhD, both these guys uh, kind of put this together, and I thought it was important. They kind of went over a scope of like 100,000 clients that they've served, and doing this now over 11 years on my own and over 15 years total, man, I'm getting old, uh, this is what I found to be true as well, and basically we're going to break down how to overcome like the biggest diet problems. And these are proven solutions that can kind of help transform your body uh, and your health and your life in our reality. Because I think, you know, without your health, what do you really have? And I give the example all the time. Anytime I have like a little nagging injury, whether it be like right on my wrist has been bugging me for some stupid reason. Uh, maybe I slept on it wrong or maybe it was these idiot farmer carriers I was doing the other day uh, or a mix of it. Or if I have, you know, a little bit of knee tightness or like my low back is stiff or if you just have a sinus infection, I always find myself wishing to be normal. Does that make sense? Like I'm, I would just, I'm like praying to just feel good. I, my, my wife knows I'm the worst when it comes to like getting sick or, or things nagging at me. I do the best I can to figure them out and, and clear them up quickly. But sometimes things just take time. You pull a hamstring, it's going to take you, you know, four, six, eight weeks, depending on the grade and how severe it is. And you can't really rush the process. You just have to trust the process in that. And I hate that. And so... If you don't feel good, what is the quality of your life? If you don't have your health, what is the quality of your days? It's the example when I really noticed it early on was in college uh, when I would drink in excess always. I remember, uh, this is off topic, but uh, getting caught uh, boozing in college by like the campus security and having to go to like uh, these kind of almost like AA meetings, but they're not. I know that I've been to, I've seen the scope of it. It's not that, but it's like a counseling session for drinking. Uh, not as a serious, like you have a problem, but just there's an educational piece and they're having you identify. Obviously, you know, going to a 12 step meeting is significantly different than this, but this was like the, the baby version of that, you know, to not, you know, be as 
you know, structured with it, but they're asking questions. Anyways, I remember sitting there and uh, if you're an athlete and you got caught boozing, this is basically the protocol you had to go through and hence why I was sitting there with some of my teammates as well. And being the normal, you know, 19, 20 year old uh, asshole that I was, I'm sure this uh, counselor lady had to just want to punch me right in my face. But I remember her asking the question, you know, who here drinks to get drunk and like immediately raised my hand up. And she's like, you know, that is, you know, that's a problem. I'm like, lady, I'm 20 years old. That's the only reason we're drinking booze to get completely annihilated and like hook up. That's what college kids do, or at least that's what my mentality was completely. And after many of those nights, uh, or towards the end of the night, you'd wake up, you know, uh, puke and rally or just puking usually in my case, and, uh, just hugging the toilet, wishing to feel normal. Like, you know, the point when you drink and you got the spins and they'd be like, Oh, put your foot on the floor. First of all, that's bullshit. Cause if you're at that point, all bets are off, man. And, and there's no, uh, put, put your foot on the floor is not going to help you, uh, get through it. So I would find myself like just puking, feeling so bad, just wishing to feel normal. Like almost like whether you believe in God or the universe or unicorn tears or whatever your thing is, just praying to whatever you believe in, like saying, please, you know, if you make me feel better, I'll never do this again. And then finding yourself doing it uh, the following Thursday or Friday night, that's the kind of life I was in. And that's when I really started to realize, even though I didn't stop my behavior, I could at least identify, hey, when you feel sick and when you don't feel good, your quality of life sucks. I don't know how most people don't parallel that. That's why I can't understand, you know, I feel for the food addiction and, and the things we're going to break them down here. But being 200 pounds overweight, your quality of life is dog shit. Like it's terrible. I can't imagine carrying that baggage around with you, not just physically, but mentally, obviously as well. It's got to be tough. And so I want to hopefully go through these and dig into the reasons why people have the biggest diet problems and and why they're not getting the results they want and find themselves in kind of this roller coaster yo-yo kind of start stopping patterns of, of not really reaching their ultimate goal. And I'm going to reference other podcasts we've done in the past, like Why Eating Right is So Hard. If you guys have never heard that one, I think it's a great one. Uh, the Cost of Getting Lean, I think that is a great podcast as well. And Why the Scale Sucks. Those are all three that we've done previously that I think can help. Um, if you listen to this and you want to paint a different picture or go down uh, some of the other pathways. But these are things that hopefully will help you transform your body uh, in your health and, and hopefully your mind as well, which I believe a lot of it starts right there. So the biggest question, if you're asking people, you know, if you tell somebody, hey, um, I want to lose weight, I want to drop body fat, I want to improve my nutrition, almost always the first piece of advice is, well, here's what you should eat. You know, you've heard people say this or, yeah, I really need to drop weight. Well, here's what you should do. Uh, here's what I'm doing. And they'll kind of you know, play off of their own individual analysis. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but in fact, the average person says, you know, they need help with the most is not what they should eat. That's really not it. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like most of us probably know what we should be doing. And every year I see hundreds, if not thousands of people, both obviously in person and online. And nutrition is by far the biggest challenge for most people. And when people give advice of, well, here's what you should eat. The issue for most humans 
not knowing what to eat doesn't even crack the top 10 in terms of their problems and why they're not getting to where they want to go. And obviously year after year, people tend to have the same diet problems, the same food frustrations, and no matter what new uh, meal plan or dieting protocol or eating style comes along, people just find themselves in the same failing pattern over and over and over again. And uh, that's why I share that because people will say, well, here's what you should eat. Most people know they should eat real food. Like we've identified that when you're in the drive through at McDonald's, you are making probably not a great choice. I, I'm not saying it has to be a terrible choice, but odds are if you're healthy and fit conscious and you're on a Wednesday afternoon lunch break and you're going through the drive through at Burger King, you're probably not making the best choice you could have made. I'm not trying to judge those places. They need to exist. It's America. I love freedom. You know, you should be able to drink and smoke and eat, you know, whatever the hell you want. You just have to be willing to live with the consequences. But most humans know going through Taco Bell at 2 a.m. is not a great choice. And the issue is most people haven't yet built up these fundamental skills they need to sustain major life changes that they're really trying to make. And hence, our 47-Day Transformation does that. Basically, every program we do here, we talk about nutrition in some shape or form. Some of it, I jam it down your throat like crazy, and some of it, I just present it to you and let you take it. At the end of the day, you're adults. You're going to do what you want to do. But that's why I believe you know, we can't just present information. We have to talk about why and how to build the foundation of skills we can have now, but we can grow and adapt and change them and, you know, mold them to fit our lifestyle as we grow. And that's why I'm going to share a ton of these things here with you today. And hopefully, it helps you. Now, the biggest diet problems that drive people crazy. Now, there's a giant list here in an infographic on PN, where it's a poll of what's your biggest nutritional challenge. And I'm going to kind of break these down uh, in percentages uh, based on the answers. Now, the biggest nutritional challenges for most people, number one at 63% was emotional and stress eating, which I can believe. Uh, I've seen it here. I do almost the opposite. If I'm super stressed, which is very rare for me, this year has been probably the exception. I would say there's probably five days this year where I was super stressed and felt like uh, a bag of shit, if you will. And on those days, I ate almost nothing. I ate very little. Uh, not Wasn't into sweets, wasn't into the normal treats. I would basically just eat one meal at night and, you know, to drink my water and uh, coffee, Powerade Zeros, and that would be it, basically. And it was terrible. I hated it. To not even have an appetite. I mean, I look great. Super shredded, right? But uh, felt like shit. That's not a healthy lifestyle. And uh, if I'm a little bit stressed, then I complain to the emotional eating where, hey, having a burger and fries is going to make me feel good. And I'm going to justify it because I had a shit day or my CPA gave me this crappy news I got to pay these bills. Or my financial advisor told me that, you know, Boeing ate shit and we had all this stock in it. Whatever it be, that's those are little stressors. The big ones are like, hey, we're shutting down the entire country and we think, you know, half of America is going to die. That's really shitty news and super stressful. Like those are the things I'm talking about. That's kind of how I do it. Now, I don't have kids like a lot of you listening. So I'm sure like when your kid gets sick, those things, obviously I have a dog. I treat it like a human, but I know the human connection is probably like times a million. So I'm sure you guys suffer the stress eating 
at a much higher level than myself. Also, like I've insulated myself financially in a certain ways, so I don't have a lot of the same stressors. I try to basically create an ecosystem here where I have as little stress as possible in my life, so I have fun every single day. And uh, it's hard work to do. I pay a price for that, but because of it, I don't do as um, as much emotional and stress eating as probably the average person. The second thing on the list, lack of planning, 53%. Cravings, 52%. Snacking when not hungry, 51%. Eating quickly, 49%. Sweet tooth, 47%. Eating out frequently, 40%. Large portions, 40%. Time to prepare meals, 40%. Uh, wine and alcohol, 32%. Don't know what I should eat, 16%. So you see how these are dropping drastically. Disliking cooking, 16%. Family and peer pressure, 16%. Unsupportive environment, 13%. So the biggest chunk of nutritional challenges are emotional and stress eating, lack of planning, cravings, snacking when not hungry, eating quickly, and sweet tooth, followed by the eating out frequently. So if you guys are guilty of those you know where you sit. And as you can see, the I don't know what I should eat is near the bottom of the list. And most people, again, sort of know what they should be eating. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's baffling to me that sometimes, again, obviously going through this year of life, 2020, you know, people would say, oh, well, you can just work out at home. And you can for sure. But if it was that easy, everybody would do it. And if it was that easy to just only know what you should be eating, uh, like, you know, you should probably eat a bowl of spinach and not have a bowl of, you know, salted salted caramel ice cream. uh, Yeah, we'd all be super fit and super ripped, but we're not. And so if you're looking for a long-term fix of some of these top-ranking problems, more nutrition knowledge probably isn't the answer. Neither is a meal plan or just a set of macros. If you're struggling with food and eating and exercise habits, you probably need help with your behaviors, especially being consistent with the crucial fundamentals. So how do we stop people from overeating and at the same time help people find things that are convenient, practical, and satisfying so they can enjoy food? And they can nourish their bodies. That's a easy problem to solve, right? Uh, no, it is ridiculously hard to solve that. But are those solvable problems? Absolutely, they are. So we're going to kind of walk through here. I would say like the eight biggest nutritional challenges, along with strategies that can help you make better choices and get better results. And again, you don't have to tackle every single challenge at once. That in my experience, rarely works for people. Instead, I would say choose one tactic here or maybe your biggest issue and focus on it for two weeks or three weeks. And when you feel ready to kind of move into a different lane, then pick the next challenge and give that your full attention. But you can make ridiculous, incredible, lasting progress this way if you just kind of chunk it. It's almost like if you want to take somebody, like if you take uh, financial stuff, Uh, whether you guys know who Dave Ramsey is or not, or whether you believe in his system, he does like the snowball, like the debt snowball. They pay off their debts, smallest to largest to build momentum and build self-confidence. And then when you can see the numbers start to move and go down, you feel the sense of accomplishment and it's 
almost like when you do fitness, right? Like you work out on, on, on week one and week two and week three and like the rich get richer. All of a sudden you get fitter and you get stronger and your numbers are improving and you start to look better and move better and feel better. It's the same thing with the food. The same exact mental behavior patterns apply as opposed to just trying to, you know, spread seed in 19 different places and see what works and what doesn't work. Just focus on one narrow lane. And once you've got a grip on that, then move to the others, depending on how many, you know, eating issues you do have. So if we're going to go with challenge number one, the I can't stop stress and emotional eating. So per the numbers here of everybody that was pulled, more than 60% of people list emotional and stress eating as the major challenge. And what's more, over 50% say that they also get intense cravings and they also snack when not hungry. And obviously, if you're listening to me and you can relate, it might be a relief to know that you are not alone, my friends. Uh, again, I don't do the emotional eating as much, but uh, and I don't snack when I'm not hungry, but I do get cravings for things just like everybody else. And I've trained my, you know, monkey brain here uh, long enough and hard enough to be able to win probably 99% of those battles and be able to delay gratification for something later. It is tough to do. It takes a level of patience and diligence. You will fail multiple times, but you can mentally train your brain to get past it. I promise you that. I once, you know, was not this person. I'll put it that way. I was a little bit softer than I am now. Uh, My wife probably wouldn't believe it, uh, but I was. I would uh, fold like a lawn chair in terms of uh, adversity for certain things. And now at this point, uh, I just try to be bulletproof. But that starts with your mind. And so you're not alone if you guys are, are struggling with these problems. But what you have to realize is the first thing, if you're stressed and emotional eating, when does this behavior occur? What triggers the stress and the emotions? Is it every time your dad calls you, every time your mom calls you? Uh, is it on Sunday nights when you're dreading the start of the new week, which I'll come back to in a second? Uh, is it whenever you see or smell or hear something that reminds you of an experience or your ex? Um, in a coaching approach, you can call this noticing and naming, and it offers a great opportunity to kind of regain control. And I want to touch on the on Sunday nights when you're dreading the start of a new week. I didn't know what anxiety was until I was an adult. And once I read the definition of it and would have conversations with people about it, I realized I had anxiety basically my entire life. I used to call it the Sunday sickness in my brain. And funny thing is, when I moved out here, one of my good friends, shout out to Andy Nett, handball champion of the world, uh, hell of a basketball player and football player, played both in college, dude was a pimp. Uh, But he made me this uh, CD and it was called uh, Sunday Sickness. And I put it obviously in my car as I drove out here from Minnesota all the way to Arizona. And him and I would have these conversations a lot where he was, you know, kind of traveling the world. On the, he's played pro handball, which is crazy enough. If you don't know what it is, obviously you can Google it. But he was like on the pro handball circuit. So you could watch like ESPN3, he'd be on there. Him, oddly enough, uh, Jake Plummer uh, would be on the pro handball circuit. But he was, he was torn between like, should he just, you know, keep this teaching job and like work and get tenure um, or should he go travel the world and play handball for as long as he can until his body fails him like eventually it does all of us and I just told the man I'm like you know 
you can always go back to teaching. I'm a, I'm a fan of people taking risks and taking chances, but him and I shared this Sunday sickness. Like we had this anxiety about going to work and I actually had it about going to school. And I always used to say Sundays uh, were one of my worst days because during the week you kind of just got used to this horrible feeling, I guess. And I loved Friday. Like I love Friday afternoon, like three o'clock school is out. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. And I love Saturday because you could stay up late Friday and Saturday you could play sports with your homies all day and you could stay up late playing video games. And it was awesome. And then Sunday would come. And even though NFL would be on and we could watch Randy Moss just tear it up, I just felt like I had this sickness in my stomach. Like in the pit of my stomach, I just felt like almost like nervous, like just knowing I had to do shit to get ready for Monday to go back to school because I hated it so much. So the point I'm driving at is that wouldn't cause me to emotionally eat, but I understand where if you're that person, it could cause you to do that. So if you're working a job that you fucking hate, man, it might be doing you way more damage than good. I'm not telling you to quit your job during this season of life, but if you know you have those feelings and that's causing you, that's the first step. Just noticing it and naming it because emotional eating and intense cravings are typically part of a pattern of behavior that's triggered by specific experiences or it could be a thought or a feeling or a situation. And I know a lot of people do this with booze as well because they're stressed or they have this anxiety. Then the alcohol is what triggers it. Some people do it with food. Some people do it with drugs. Some people do it with alcohol. Food is one of the toughest ones because you don't have to do drugs. You don't have to drink alcohol to survive, but you do have to eat at some point. And that's where this gets real dicey. So if you guys can identify the trigger, you can disrupt the pattern of behavior and make different choices. We use what they call like a PN. They do like a break the chain uh, worksheet. We do in our 47 day transformation, what we call like a conquer the divide worksheet or like a success wheel. We use both. It's similar where we have people kind of identify their emotional and stress triggers and they kind of a we apply this, you know, step-by-step strategy of how to replace the behavior with something new or, you know, kind of shift gears. I've been through it before with alcohol myself. I've been through it before with chewing tobacco myself uh, and obviously food. So I just, I took the same things. I have addictive personality. So I took, you know, all the things that make me great also make me fucking terrible. All the things I'm sure my wife loves about me are also the things that she probably hates about me. So if you can apply these things and understanding once you identify them, how do we break the cycle and the pattern and identify what is emotionally stressing us out, causing us to eat this way? That is number one. Number two, if you struggle with the, you know, I don't plan meals, 53% of the people, uh, both men and women, obviously hit check this box in the survey. But the good news is if you're part of that, um, serious improvement in this area may not be as time consuming as you think. And think about the meal planning uh, on a continuum, right? Like, so let's go to the far left. You put zero thought into what you might eat later in the day and what you might eat tomorrow and the rest of the week. Most decisions are made after you've already become hungry, which is a terrible place to be. When you've already started looking at the contents of your fridge or looking at the drive-through menu or you're already hangry as hell and you're in the grocery store. That's a tough place to be. And then there's on the far right. You spend Sunday morning grocery shopping. You take the afternoon to prep seven meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, packing it away in containers, leaving nothing to chance. That doesn't seem super fun either. I've lived both lives 
uh, at one point. I used to be on the far left in college, and then after college, I got on the far right, and now I'm in the in-between. So what is the in-between for most of you? That is where you have a real opportunity to make progress, and it doesn't require a complicated meal plan. You just need to do a little bit better than you're doing right now. And a great place to start is plan to eat one to two servings. Think of like the size of your fist um, of produce at each meal, or as we always say, protein, produce, and water at every feeding. And if you're starting from scratch, don't worry about variety for now. If you like broccoli or carrots or cucumbers or asparagus or Brussels sprouts, just pick those and have those at every meal. And just practice buying what you need to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Nothing more. No snacks. We do this at our house. We don't uh, We don't buy snacks at our house because we will eat them. Uh, if we buy snacks for a week, we'd eat them in a day. If we buy snacks for a day, we'd eat them in an hour. That's how it works at our house. We hate when people uh, give us like Christmas cookies and cinnamon rolls as gifts because we binge on them. I try to outlast Heather. That's my only saving grace if I can not dig in before she does. Otherwise, you know, I'm like the cookie monster, bro. It gets real gnarly real quick. So if you can do it that way, I think that's better. Protein, produce, and water, and just commit to eating produce like vegetables, green vegetables, at every meal. And again, if you struggle with it, obviously you can get athletic greens. But I do think if you can eat some real green veggies every day, your body's going to be better off. You're going to make better food choices. And the, the amount of stomach volume it's going to take up is going to be ideal. And you'll be fuller for longer, typically on average. And if you find yourself, obviously, at a restaurant, stick to the same plan. That could mean you get a side salad or you order broccoli instead of french fries. Now, I'm not telling you to not go out to dinner and eat the stuff that you like if you've been perfect the rest of the week. But if you, again, I don't go out, to, I say this, like when I go out to dinner, people will be surprised. Like I eat whatever the fuck I want. I don't really care. Um, I'm mindful of it, I guess, you know, I'm not going to eat so much that I like, you know, shit puke on myself. But I also like look at the menu beforehand, which I would also suggest to you guys, like check out the restaurant menu before you go and maybe have an idea of what you're going to eat or order before you get there. And you can still live in the moment and live it up and have fun. But I don't go out to eat, you know, obviously during this year, I went out to eat way less than any year before, but I don't go out to eat like a normal person. I don't have like a lot of, I don't have a ton of business dinners. We do some for sure, or like coffee and things like that. But if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to enjoy myself and eat whatever's on the menu. But I've been perfect during the week. If you're a person who's eating out two, three, four times a week, you can't just say F off and eat whatever you want when you go there. So you're going to have to do some research in the menu, and sometimes you're going to have to order broccoli over french fries. I know it sucks, dude, but it's just how it's going to be if you're going to eat out that frequently. And you'd be amazed how simple that approach is to transform the quality of your meals, and yet that doesn't take a ton of effort. And I've already done a whole podcast of why full meal plans suck. Do they work for some people? Sure, but I think the failure rate is probably like well over 90%. Because when you can't follow the plan, you got to move or shift and flow. The plan kind of goes to garbage. If you want to have any semblance of a social life and doing those things, it's not the most ideal thing to follow for long-term success. And the reality is, is we want to teach people, you know, how to do something for the rest of their life. And a sustainable lifestyle approach is probably the best bet for most of you. That's why it might be slower progress up front. But like I said, you'll learn a set of skills you can use for the rest of your life. That's what a transformation is. Mentally, then obviously turning it to physically.
Number three, the people who eat too quickly. This isn't uh, on the top of the list, but this is probably the number one issue for men, with nearly 60% of the dudes who are polled raising their hand for this. Now, it turns out this is correct. Almost everyone benefits from eating more slowly. In fact, slow eating is one of the first practices uh, we tend to ask people to do. It's a reason that people can be successful is just you can control this all the time. And if it takes, again, meals don't take an hour. Like, oh, we have an hour lunch break. I always like never understood that because I would eat a whole meal in five minutes. Even if I slow that down and double it and chew slower and take time, put the fork down, put the plate down, it takes you 10 minutes, that's super effective. And it gives you time to let your body kind of slow things down. The act of just consciously slowing down, even just taking a breath or two between bites at first, can help you eat less without feeling super deprived. Um, it works for almost everyone, some of the most advanced dieters uh, to the beginners. Some people have been struggling their whole life, some people who just you know got into making a change. And you really just double the time it takes you to eat right now. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less, just slowing down. And if you find yourself doing this at some of the restaurants, especially where they, you know, kind of serve an appetizers and it's a little bit busier and the food comes out slower, I find myself far less likely to eat things like desserts at restaurants. Even if I'm going out with the mentality to eat whatever I want, I tend to eat less because I'm so full. And by the time they bring the dessert menu, I have not had time yet to kind of let everything process and settle. So I tend to eat less when I go there. And even at home, when I really slow things down, take a bite, maybe have a little conversation with Heather, take another bite, do that. I tend to eat less as opposed to when I'm just inhaling it because I don't even realize I'm full yet because the food hasn't even got to where it needs to go. It's like how I described drinking hard alcohol at the bar when you're doing shots super quickly and all of a sudden you've taken six shots, but you're not really drunk yet. And then all of a sudden it hits you like a wave and it's like, whoa, I am messed up, and you just had two more shots. Does that make sense? Like, it's this, it's this delayed reaction where if you take a shot, wait three minutes, take a shot, wait five minutes, take a shot, wait ten minutes, you're, you're buzzing pretty hard as opposed to just boom, 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 boom. You're not messed up right away. It takes time to process. I think of food as the same. Number four, I have a serious sweet tooth, and a lot of people struggle with this. You might love cookies. Uh, or M&Ms or anything that is rolled in sugar and fat and sprinkled with something that looks fancy. It's completely normal. Almost 50% of people polled here said the same thing. However, uh, it's typically not just the sweetness that appeals to your taste buds, belly, and brain. It's a diabolically delicious combination of sugar and fat and salt that makes certain foods damn near irresistible. There is even a special name for them. It is called hyper palatable. You know what I'm talking about? The things where you eat. I'm trying to look right here. Uh, my young guy, uh, Jacob, who worked for me for a couple years, got me a Christmas gift. My wife opened it up and it is a gift card to crumble cookies. If you guys never had them, uh, they are what we would say is like crack. Now I've never smoked crack, but I get the analogy um, and the comparison, since I believe it's highly addicting. I think of the crumble cookies the same way. Now, 
Most big cookies, I think, are garbage. They have mastered it, for sure. And they would fall under what I would call hyper-palatable. Also, like, when you get... I'm trying to think at Christmas time. They'll do, like, like a pretzel, but it's, like, dipped in chocolate and then has, like, uh, an M&M on it or something. Those are also hyper-palatable. That's the combination of sugar, fat, and salt. The things that are so addicting, you find yourself, you know, almost chewing your fingers off because you love it so much. And it's, like, it's this... It's this crazy snowball, and it's like you get this high from it, and then this crash, and then this like fiending for more of it, more of it, more of it. Even though your stomach already hurts and you're full, you can't stop eating it. And so if you know anything about, you know, food manufacturers, they use these, you know, kind of flavor formulas to create products that you can't stop eating. Again, it's great for sales. These guys know a whole hell of a lot more than you do about taste buds and food and what gets people addicted. And so... The biggest challenge with these foods is their availability. They're everywhere. And so the key is don't bring them home. If the food is in your house or your possession, either you or somebody you love or somebody you marginally tolerate will eventually eat them. And that's why I mentioned if I can, you know, beat Heather uh, and withstand it longer than her. If she eats it, that's my only saving grace. That's why we tend not to keep things, obviously, in the house. And so uh, Dr. Berardi of PN kind of has a first law. If healthy food is in your possession, either you or someone, or either you, someone you love, or someone you marginally tolerate will eventually eat it. It's the same thing for the sweets, right? Like whatever's in your house, you guys are going to eat that. And so if you're trying to make an environment that's the healthiest possible and you struggle with booze or sugar or chips, don't keep booze or sugar or chips in your house. It's pretty basic. If you have a wine drinking problem, don't fill your house with wine. Does that make sense? Like out of sight, out of mind, then you have to consciously make a choice to go to the store. So it does start with you creating the environment, you know, that puts you in the best position to be successful. Now, I'm not saying you can never have sweets at your house, but I would strongly urge you to shape your environment to set yourself up and your family up for success. So what would happen if next time you went to the grocery store, you bought fruit for dessert instead of your Oreos? Or maybe kombucha instead of wine. I know these things aren't the same, but try it and observe what happens. And you might find yourself leaning towards that and starting to make a change and make a swap. I'll be honest, like there was a long time where like, I never ate fruit. Like I'm not going to eat fruit because I want to save it for cookies. And there's still a lot of times where like maybe it's a Saturday night and I skip, you know, the mangoes and the pineapples and I grab myself some cookies instead. Or I skip a banana and apple and I get myself some cinnamon rolls. But most of the time, if you could swap out real fruit for your cakes and cookies and pies, you're going to be much better off in the long run. It's not easy to do, and I know it's not the same, and you still have to live your life, but if you're looking to make a change, these are little things you can do to do it. Number five, I eat out a lot. Living in Scottsdale, uh, I see this with a lot of our clients here. Uh, we live in a very you know, rich culinary place. There's a lot of amazing restaurants, depending on what kind of food you want, you can pretty much find everything. So with so many temptations and restaurants and menus, it's natural to feel a little tortured about what to order when you go out to eat. 
And once that mental back and forth begins, it's really easy to say, fuck it, and just give in to whatever it may be. Uh, Pasta, pizza, cookies, cakes, french fries, onion rings, nachos, you name it. I've been there, you guys. So along with planning your meals and your food choices, you can also plan how you show up. So I've talked about this briefly already. Is it a special occasion where you want freedom to indulge? Only you know that. And a real special occasion. Not what we do in America. We try to celebrate everything. And everything's a special occasion. And I'm like, I'm not against celebrating. Even though I'm not great at it, I'm all for it. But really make it worth it, you guys. Because is the juice worth the squeeze? I keep asking you that. Is this really something you want to tank your diet for and you're eating for? Only you know that. Is the food so unique? and so amazing at this restaurant that it's truly worth it. If so, slow down, like we talked about before, and really savor the experience and take the food in. I went to an amazing place uh, where my wife and I, we don't do Christmas gifts uh, like normal people. We're past that for sure. We've been married for a long time. Uh, we don't need stuff. We got money. We want to buy stuff, we'll buy it for ourselves. Like I don't need her to buy me anything. She doesn't need a you know, I don't need to buy her anything. She can do it. But we do um, invest in experiences. So after we do our adoptive family stuff, after we do the food banks, after we do all the people here who have asked for stuff that we can give to them, um, we will do like a shared experience for ourselves. And typically around Christmas time, we've been doing uh, staying in these log cabins uh, in different parts of northern Arizona. So we were in Oak Creek and we stayed in this log cabin and we made a reservation at one of our favorite restaurants up there in Sedona. It's called Mariposa. If Sedona sucks, don't go, you'll hate it. But if you're ever there, (laughs) um, there's this place called Mariposa. It's an amazing, uh, culinary experience. It's very unique. It's like, um, anything else, you know, I've ever had. It's Latin inspired. They have this beautiful outdoor patio, which we ate at night and they have this huge fire pit, like it's like 10 by 10. It's enormous. And we sat right by that. And uh, the food is great. And that is an experience where we kind of slow down. We savor it. And we enjoy everything. Uh, we had like yucca fries. I had this chicken dish. She had this seafood paella. Just, um, again, it's not super unhealthy, but I wouldn't say it's it's healthy either, depending on, you know, the amount of butter and fat and things it's cooked with. But that is a unique experience where you really slow down. You have the freedom to indulge and you enjoy it. Now, if I went out to like a work meeting and someone's like, hey, can you meet me at Outback Steakhouse? No offense to Outback Steakhouse. Like, I'm probably not going crazy. Or if, you know, Michael Scott invites me to the Chili's, you know, quote unquote, where small business is done, uh, I'm probably not going to, uh, you know, get down with the, the baby back ribs. I'm okay. I'll just have a coffee and keep it rolling. So the point is, is like, enjoy the experiences you want to enjoy. And then obviously keep things moving if it's not that unique. Or you can go this way. You can figure out how you want to align your healthy eating practices. So obviously consider, you know, reviewing the menu before you go and really making a decision. And what I've found is helpful is eating something before I show up. If I have to do this now, my life is a lot different now than it used to be. But what I would do is if we're going out somewhere where it's like we didn't get to pick it and I was socially forced into it with like friends or family, I would eat something healthy before that was very filling and then drink a ton of 
water and coffee. And I would order coffee at the restaurant, which is an appetite suppressant for me. And then I would find myself not having a hard time making a healthier choice. That worked for me. I'm not saying it, it will work for you guys, but I found if I was fully hydrated and I had eight prior, I could show up and order like a chicken dish that was basic or a fish dish that was basic. And I didn't want to order the nachos and the wings and have a bunch of beers. And so again, I found that helpful as well. Now, there is no right or wrong answer, but deciding ahead of time can help you guys stay focused and avoid the distractions of pasta and pizza and everything else that gets you into trouble. And every time you follow through on this plan to not eat shit, think about how you're going to feel after the meal and think about the wins you're stacking up and ask yourself, you know, am I justified if I eat shit here? Have I earned this? Like, is this something that's going to help me get closer to my goals or take me further away? And when you can start to say no or make a better choice at the grocery store, make a better choice at home, make a better choice when you're out to dinner, that is a positive step in the right direction to encourage the same behavior next time. And with more practice, smart choices become easier and easier and easier. And then over time, you just become this health and fitness person. And here's some basic steps you can do. When you go out to dinner, order a plant rich dish back to the produce here shoot for half your plate to be vegetables choose a lean protein if you can chicken or fish avoid the breaded foods eliminate a lot of the poor choices you typically would make those are the breaded and the fried things ask for dressing on the side then use it responsibly again eat slowly and if you can stop when you're 80 percent full which we'll touch on here in a little bit and again, those aren't hard and fast rules. They're just basic guidelines for when you're eating out. So no matter if it's fine dining or a fast food chain, if you can kind of adhere to some of those, you guys are going to be successful. Number six, I eat larger portions than I need. In the weight loss industry, it's popular to tell people, quote unquote, it's not your fault. And in this case, that is probably true. But between your parents directing you to quote unquote clean your plate, if you guys grew up in that era, and the abundance of what we've touched on already, hyperpalatable foods, and the mega meals served by most chains, eating more than you need can feel completely normal, natural, and comfortable. Hence, the problem with America. If I'm in Europe, for example, like Italy or Spain, I oftentimes find myself ordering two entrees plus an appetizer and drinks and stopping for gelato. Why is that? Because the portions are so small or what we would consider appropriate size meals, but not here in America. We're America. We do it bigger, better. You know, we're just, we have bigger houses, bigger cars, bigger meals, turns into bigger guts, bigger bodies, you name it. We do a lot of things right here, but we also do a lot of things wrong here. So, how do you combat this? Well, simple thing. Obviously, we can eat slowly, which we've touched on. And you can stop when you are about 80% full. And you only know that if you eat slow. And you can do this no matter how much is left on your plate and how uncomfortable it makes you feel. Now, is this easy? Hell no. And will it be easy at first? Uh, no, it will be tough. Um, and you might ask yourself, am I 80% full? 
Am I 70% full or did I just totally mess up and go over? Don't worry about it. The point is, is to become a mindful eater. You're mindful of the process and you pay attention better to your body's satiety signals. That takes time. Like any skill, you're going to improve with practice and you're going to progress from there. It's not going to be perfect at first, but you will make progress. And of course, it helps when you start with a reasonable sized portion to begin with. But you don't need to enter every meal into a calculator. You don't have to track every single thing on a macro. You can use your hand to kind of best estimate how much you should eat. And again, protein, produce, and water when you look at your plate. And when you slow things down, you start to learn. And that's why I say be mindful. Be mindful when you chew. Be mindful when you swallow, when you smell, when you're sitting there. Take in the the entire experience of it and understand, am I hungry? Am I just thirsty? Is it a combination of this? Because most of us don't take time to manage any of these things. We just imagine, you know, we magically wake up and we think, oh, this will be fine and we'll figure it out. And it, it doesn't. This takes practice and learning how to eat right for your body type and your lifestyle and your goals is a job. Is it a full-time job, 40 hours a week? Uh, it's like a 24-hour a day job, really. I mean, you don't have to consciously think about it and obsess about it every day, but when push comes to shove, you got to do a little bit of prep and a little bit of planning. And you got to be mindful of what you're putting in your mouth and what you're drinking and what you're eating and how it's affecting your mood and how you feel and how much energy you have and what you're looking like, moving like, and feeling like afterwards. Which brings me to number seven. I don't have time to prep meals. Are you seeing a theme here emerge? This one is related to, obviously, I don't plan out meals and I eat out too much, but this one is also slightly different because it's calling out a reason. Why? A lack of a key resource. Now, let's be honest. There may, there might, or there may be a lack of desire here to, you know, prepare meals, but at some point, you got to do a little bit of preparing, at least some of the basic stuff, in my opinion. You can buy a lot of stuff out and you get a lot of stuff delivered, but you got to do a little bit of work here. And many people are on the move all day, making a living, commuting, taking care of others, whether it be parents or kids, you name it. And uh, we all deserve some time to unwind. And that might mean grabbing takeout so you can sink into the couch for 30 minutes um, or just cut your day shorter um, but let's go back and think about something here. If you're making zero meals now, could you find the time to make one meal each week? Or if you're making three meals now, could you find the time to make four? If you can make just one extra meal, you'll be taking a positive actionable step to change your behavior, improve the quality of your life and your health. And you're having some control now over exactly what is going into your body and exactly the ingredients that you're using. That's real. And that, my friends, is how long lasting transformation starts to happen. One tiny step at a time, not by trying to change everything and overhaul your entire lifestyle in an instant. It's one little thing you're doing today that you weren't doing yesterday. So figure out what action you're capable of taking now, even if it doesn't seem like much, and then try it out and practice it next week. And it becomes easier. And then you ask yourself, could I add in another home cooked meal? Remember, 
We're chasing progress here up front, not just perfection. It's just like mobility. If you're doing no mobility today, if you start doing two minutes of mobility, it's amazing. And then next week, if you do another minute, and maybe you work your way up to five or 10 minutes of mobility a day, it's such a small investment to move better and feel better. Why wouldn't you do it? If you make no meals for yourself and you eat all your meals out, try to do one or two meals this week and build on it from there. These are little things. That's how all of us get better. Nobody wakes up one day, or, or maybe they do. Very, 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 nobody I've ever met, very few people, wake up 400 pounds and just say, you know what, I've had it. I'm going to eat perfect every day. I'm going to train every day. I'm going to get quality sleep every day. And I'm never going to eat a bite of junk food again or have a drink of alcohol. I've never met those people. There's ebbs and flows. There's peaks and valleys. There's progress and there's failure along the way. And there's learning curves and there's roadblocks and there's successes and wins. There's a lot of steps that happen in this transformation progress. So just know it's little things stacked up every single day that compound over time. And once you get that snowball rolling, you're going to pick up steam and momentum and make a better choice and a better choice and a better choice over time. Whew, which leads me to number eight. I drink too much. I also hear this one a lot from a lot of my local people here. If you're nodding your head right now, we feel you. And so do more than 30% of people who are polled here who say they overconsume alcohol. The question is, what does too much mean? Now, this can be different for everyone, obviously. Um, maybe you're drinking two to three glasses of wine a night, and you're wondering if you're relying too much on alcohol to take the edge off. Or perhaps you don't drink during the week, but you drink in excess on the weekend. Even if you don't you know, have what's considered a serious problem. Uh, when your drinking habits could be affecting your ability to lead a healthier lifestyle by interfering with your sleep and affecting your judgment and also stimulating your appetite, that is a problem. And not in the terms of like you have to go to AA and a 12-step program because you're going to lose everything and, you know, you're out, you know, drinking and driving or you're missing work or you're finding yourself you know, passing out and your kids have to help you off the toilet. We're not talking about that kind of crazy shit. We're just talking about things that affect your sleep, affect your judgment, and stimulate your appetite. And that's what I'm talking about there. Like, you know, when you have a hankering for late night nachos or you start just eating your kids goldfish, whatever it may be. So you have to ask yourself, what is one action you could take to feel a little bit better about your alcohol consumption? Could you have just two glasses tonight instead of three? Could you drink more slowly so that one glass maybe lasts longer? Could you have a glass of water in between cocktails? If your alcohol intake isn't destroying your work or family life, but you don't necessarily, you know, love what you're doing, I'm not telling you to slam the brakes and then stop drinking cold turkey. You can kind of ease yourself into it and notice how you feel. But the biggest thing is having better awareness in real time can result in better choices as you go. So again, I'm not, you know, trying to tell you to, to quit drinking or quit eating the things you love and you like. But if you find yourself struggling with any of the most popular things like the stress eating, the lack of planning, the cravings, the sweet tooth, the overconsumption of alcohol, the lack of uh, meal planning, and just in time, 
just make these slow, small, incremental changes as you go because these are probably the most popular things I've seen over time. Um, and these are some of these are excuses from people, and some of them obviously you know turn into real problems because you sell yourself on why you can't do something or you sell yourself on why you are doing something over time. But if you can make these little habits and little changes, you're just going to keep gradually doing it if you're a person who obviously likes results, which who doesn't, right? Like we get paid for done. Who doesn't? And that's why I say like it, it's tough to do because you have to manage it all the time. But why would you want to go to the gym and bust your ass and work out and do these terrible, awful sessions where you're pushing a sled and doing split squats and you're squatting and doing burpees and thrusters and all the things you do that are painful and they burn. And it's probably these all early ass hours in the morning and you do all this work and then throw it all away just because you're eating and drinking shit. Don't you want to get paid for the work you put in? You want to get paid for done. It's like going to work all week and then not picking up your paycheck on Friday. It doesn't make any sense. Or like getting your car washed, perfectly detailed, and then rolling down the windows wide open, driving through mud puddles for three hours. Why would you even wash the car then? It seems counterproductive. That's the way I think about training here. I want to get paid for it. I want to move and feel and look like I did the workouts. So I'm going to eat and drink on the back end to match that while living my life within reason. So again, the other podcasts we've done, why meal plans suck or the cost of getting lean or why eating right is so hard, all kind of tie into this. But just know, these are probably the eight biggest diet issues we see with people and some of the most basic tips to help them. And it's not just information. It's you just making a small change today and building on it tomorrow and the next day and the next day or making a change this week and then week two, week three, week four, and so on. But it does take some management. It does take some time. And it does take some caring. And it takes you giving a shit about your results. And if you've been doing something for six months or six weeks or six years and nothing's changed, look at the behaviors, look at the patterns, and let's start working to find something that's sustainable for the long haul, not just for three weeks, but for the next three years, the next 13 years, the next 30 years. And what I mean is those are going to change and shift, the goals will, but the foundations you learn will never change. Eating real food will never change. Drinking water will never change. Not overindulging in alcohol will never change. Getting quality sleep will never change. These are the, the foundations of all healthy people. They really are. Um, we could try to sell you 19 different sexy things, but at the end of the day, this is it. And it comes down to you identifying what the problem is, two, naming the problem, taking an actionable step, even as small as just cooking yourself one meal a week. Or if you eat fast food every day, don't eat fast food every single day. Eat it six days a week. That's what I'm talking about here. I'm trying to meet you guys where you're at. So only you know if you're 400 pounds or you only got four pounds to lose to your goal weight, whatever your thing is. Like, Be realistic about where you are and what measures you have to start with and take. And just focus on progress, not perfection, because perfect doesn't exist. Perfect's not real. I've talked about this many times before, and you guys know this. So hopefully we helped kind of get you on the right path in terms of if you're having dieting problems. And I think the biggest takeaway you can probably identify is 
You just have to really, A, one, identify what the issue is, be mindful of it, and make a small incremental change. That works for everything in life. It really does. But we have to be honest with ourselves and why we're doing it, why it's happening, and change the behavior before anything else. I can give you information all day about everything under the sun. We can talk about nutrition on the cellular level. We can talk about all the protocols and the programs in the world. But you have to get your mind right before you can get the grind right. And it will be a grind at first. But get your mind right before you start to do anything else. And if you can do that, you guys will be successful. And obviously, I'm a huge fan of, you know, entering a real program, you know, where you have a coach uh, that can check up on you and uh, you can track progress. You have a structure and you can ask questions and you have a community. You know, I think the best athletes in the world who don't have a goal, accountability, and a coach tend to, you know, kind of turn to shit. So if that's the best athletes in the world doing that, you can imagine what the average person does when you tack on, you know, the stress of 2020 and work and the economy and kids and all the other shit that's going on. It's a lot to take in. And I know sometimes eating right can be the last thing you know, on your mind, but it's the one thing that you can control. And it's the one thing that's going to hopefully uh, prolong your life, but to enhance the quality of your life. And I think, again, I, I've talked about this many times before. Um, we had a golden opportunity this year uh, to really understand how to get healthy and have a real conversation about it. And I feel in America, we failed to do that. We just talked about wearing a mask and hand sanitizing and social distancing. And we didn't spend enough time talking about exercise and taking care of yourself and proper nutrition and proper supplementation and talk about behavior patterns to help people stress less or when they do stress, how to identify it. And let's tackle that again. All those things I mentioned are great. You can do all those, but that's putting a bandaid on a gunshot wound, man. When we know in this country and in every country the people who have the most issues are the ones who are the unhealthiest, the ones who tend to be the biggest, the ones who are the most obese, the ones who are the most overweight, the ones who have the highest blood pressure, um, hypertension, diabetes, a lot of that tied to drinking and eating habits. And so if we can talk about how to change the behavior to control those, you can start to transform your body and your health and your mind for the long run. And hopefully avoid any of the other shit that comes your way because you're building a strong body, you're building a strong immune system, you're building this, you know, badass fucking machine you can take through life. And hopefully this podcast helped you guys at least identify where some of the issues are and how to get on the right track. But if you guys need something more, obviously hit me up. I'm here to help. Our 47-day transformation is built for this, which we're kicking off here in 18 days. Um, I'll do a small podcast discount for you guys who are interested in that. So I'm happy to uh, give that to you. And then, uh, yeah, the website, 47daytransformation.com, 18 days registered. The link is also in my Instagram bio. And reminder, if you guys have not yet tried Athletic Greens, I'm happy to hook you guys up with a link to get you a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Or if you're really on the fence, I'll have Monica send you a pack right to your front door. As well as if you want to try the Sleep CBD I've been taking, just the dream product for my homies over at Beam. We can always get you 20% off, always and forever, but... 
I can also hook you guys up with three free nights. So try it for three evenings for free. See how you sleep, see how you feel, and then I can get you the 20% off always and forever. My gift to you guys. I'm just always trying to hook you up with things that I take and that I like and I religiously live by and hopefully get you a bunch of free shit in the process. That is what we're here to do. Here's my thank you to everyone who is listening. So any questions on the 47 day or athletic greens or the beam CBD products or anything I talked about today in the episode, hit me up. I am happy to go into more detail. And if you're in iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Drop me a five star. Leave a comment. I truly would appreciate it. And if you think this can help a friend or family member, please shoot it over to them. Uh, I think they would appreciate it. And the casket effect you have by just sharing information that can help people cuts a lot deeper than I think you even imagine. And, and sometimes they might not even be asking for it and they might um, blow it off and, and think you're being an asshole for sending it over. But if they give it a listen and it makes a change, you know you guys are doing the right thing. So I appreciate all you guys for listening. I'm going to bring Heather on, I think, on Christmas Eve. We'll do one episode before Christmas, and that is the plan of today. If not, for some reason, happy holidays to you guys, but I hope to get her on here on Thursday morning sometime, and then we'll do our thing for Christmas Eve and Christmas, and we'll pop on probably during the weekend. So I appreciate you guys. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you guys for watching. As always, and until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.